Hello, and welcome back to Novel Gaming, a podcast about books and video games with a goblin market's worth oh. of other pop culture. Oh, my. <laughs> I'm Doug. <laughs> I'm Katie, and we are doing a book club today. Uh, we read and are ready to discuss the 2017 <laughs> book. I'm so ready to discuss this with so Doug. So ready. So ready. Uh, you don't even know... Like you, the audience, still don't know what book we read, except you saw the title, so you do. So never mind. Uh, but we read Winter Song uh, by S.J. Jones, which is the first in a duology that takes us underground into the Goblin King's realm. Uh, but oh, before boy. we get into yeah, all that and what that means and all of that... <laughs> Just all of it. Uh, let's check in on what we've been playing, watching, or thinking about lately. So, Doug, yeah. what you been playing? Did you ever get into Street Fighter? Is that a game you played much of growing up? As a youth, I did play Street Fighter. Okay. So there's a new Street Fighter like coming out soon. Or soonish. No. I don't know. They're doing trailers and stuff, so I assume it's soon. Street Fighter Six, and it looks really cool. And Street Fighter's a game that I've always been like, I wish I were better at this. I've I've <laughs> never been good at like one on one fight like two yeah. D fighting games at all. Like horrendous. But it's been getting me so excited. And I saw that the like thirtieth anniversary Street Fighter collection was on sale on Switch. So I was like, oh, maybe shoot. now's my time. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a collection of like 12 games and of course because street fighter is what, what it is it's like street fighter one through three 12 different games because that's how they do i know and I, when you said street fighter six i was like damn there's only been six uh it oh feels no. like there's more but there's there is more so it's just named weirdly yeah each each numbered game gets its own sequels that are just <laughs> also street fighter 2 street fighter 3 whatever um but there is only one street fighter 1 i believe uh and i started with that and it is hard <laughs> it oh, is no. even harder than what i realized i grew up playing which is street fighter 2 uh and i definitely never played street fighter 1 and i don't know uh anyone who did <laughs> it is so hard it has Two fighters, Ryu or Ken, that's who you get to that's be. Uh, and all the other characters are just your opponents. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, I definitely did not play that. Yeah, I was like, I, wh what is this game? Uh, and I'm real bad at it, but I'm determined <laughs> to be less bad at it. <laughs> and if I don't, I'm just moving on to two. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if you master Street Fighter 1, maybe you you know, then master them all because that's like the hardest. Yeah. Hopefully. I bet if I get really good at Street Fighter 1, I will be a natural at Street Fighter 6. I bet it's a one-to-one -one <laughs> translation. <laughs> <laughs> totally transferable uh, skills. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, so that's a thing I've been trying lately. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Did they, in the collection, did they update graphics or like ratios is it a square on your screen or have they made it widescreen and polished it up a bit they didn't make it widescreen but you could stretch it um so oh, unfortunate they, yeah there's like a few things you can do with it that are probably familiar to folks who've who've got like collections or nintendo switch online virtual console stuff like you can choose whether it looks like a tv screen or an arcade screen or like doesn't have any sort of 
like nostalgia filter on at all. You can mm -hmm. have it sort of in like the what they call original size or expanded, which is just bigger, but the same ratio, or you can stretch it so that mm -hmm. it fills the screen. Um, every game has like its own unique like border to fill that space you can turn that on or mm. off if you want to so there's like some stuff you can do to make it visually either more appealing or less distracting like whatever works for you but yeah definitely not widescreen <laughs> yeah stretch is always so i feel like unfortunate i never like playing them yeah. stretched out yeah me neither i'm not i'm not not a fan but yeah yeah what have you been playing yeah, well, Warren, I can't wait to hear in a couple weeks when you're oh, like, when I'm a I entered Street Fighter, Street Fighter tournaments. <laughs> you're I found be an the underground club of Street Fighter yeah. One tournaments. <laughs> competitive gamer, yeah. uh, Doug. Yeah, um, I have been playing something uh, vastly and drastically different. Um, Mortal it's Kombat called... Collection. <laughs> How did you know? Uh, <laughs> nah, it's uh, it's something called Power Wash Simulator. What? Have you heard of this? <laughs> Please tell yeah. me so much more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, you probably can guess what it is based on the title, mm -hmm. um, but it is a game that you play as a totally in like a. I don't know what the material is. Some sort of suit that I that people who power wash maybe wear. <laughs> um, but it, so it's like all you know water resistant, and you can customize different colors and all that kind of stuff. Oh, but you're wearing so the that's suit. what drew you in, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's a first person shooter, but instead of shooting um, bullets, you shoot water, Whoa. and instead of shooting at creatures or targets you shoot at like sidewalks and houses and benches and <laughs> uh, a playground right so you're basically you have this power wash gun that you then for me at least slowly and methodically <laughs> wipe away the dirt so it is very satisfying and it's a very nice game to play as you are like listening to something else or mm -hmm. like watching something else um it's like a very soothing game and um i really dig it it does have a multiplayer component i've never what? played with anybody else yeah and they occasionally have like special special things so like uh one of the special jobs was like mars and you like clean the mars <gasps> rover on mars oh my uh, and gosh then i think they just recently added one from like the final fantasy 7 <laughs> universe where you like clean something in midgar i don't know exactly what it is it's a game i think that's been out for a little bit but they are adding new stuff to it and originally i think it was only like steam type of thing yeah. but it's like making its way to consoles um if it's not already on all of them by now dang so what are you playing it on i am playing it on steam okay dang yeah this sounds so cool yeah it's pretty chill i have a question about 
like how you progress through the game i guess like do you take on jobs do you is it do you just like go places and watch things like how do you (laughs) you just walk around the neighborhood yeah Uh, yeah (laughs) open world pressure uh... washer (laughs) (laughs) uh you take on jobs um so they're basically levels that have a varying number of objects and varying scale of objects that you then like hose down uh so like one of them I was like in a garage taking on someone's like little motorcycle versus like doing a bungalow. Uh, some mm. of them it looks like can get like really big. Um, <laughs> so you take on you take on jobs and they have like, I don't know, there's like story jobs, but then also bonus jobs and then like some other things. I've only done the story. I don't even know if it's called story. Um and the bonus jobs. And as you are in a level kind of hosing stuff down, you'll get like some text messages being like, oh, I've got like another job for you. Uh, and then that will show up in your kind of queue. You get paid for the jobs and then you can Hell unlock yeah. uh, like, you know, different equipment, different nozzles, special soaps um, and different, you know, color suits and everything. And then at the end of each level, when you finished, they kind of do a time lapse of you cleaning uh, <gasps> from, you know, from a distance. So you just see your little character like going around, hosing down stuff. And the it's Damn. very satisfying to see it kind of all at the end in a quick pace. I feel like Vicky would love this game. Yeah. yeah. Like just very methodical, satisfying cleaning uh, stuff. Up. Cleaning stuff. Uh I feel like yeah. I would really like this game as well. It sounds very relaxing <laughs> and like chill. Yeah. So and much. We could all clean goodness. together um, <gasps> if if we all got it. What's like the gnarliest thing you've had to clean so far? I mean, so it nothing is like disgusting. It's just like <laughs> grime yeah. like super like super grime on stuff so i don't know the coolest thing was def- i liked going to mars uh because yeah, there also was like little little footprints and stuff that were <laughs> you know see seem to be martian footprints Oops. or something in there <laughs> yeah one of my favorite like far cry dlcs was going to mars too like it's just so silly to yeah. to to add Mars to things that have nothing to do with Mars. <laughs> yeah. And like, you're not wearing a special suit when you go there. You're still in your little power wash suit. So. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Well, how about watching stuff? What kind of things are you watching? Well, I've kind of been watching the usual stuff. So I'm going to call out something specifically that I've definitely talked about before, but it's just been like on another level this season. And that Mm. is Game Changer. I just watched the finale of Game Changer. (laughs) Incredible. Like, if folks (laughs) haven't heard me talk about Game Changer before, it's a show on Dropout. It is a game show where every single episode, the game is different and the players come to the show not knowing what the game will be. So they have to figure out what the game is and also figure out how to win it. And sometimes it's pretty quick to figure it out, like uh, Make This Noise, which turned into its own show called Make Some Noise. Or sometimes it's like totally wild shit where they just have no idea how they're getting points and they almost never figure (laughs) it out, but someone still wins. Like... It's amazing. And the finale for this season, which has been a wild season to begin with, like they did a whole like two part bachelor episode. They did <laughs> like 
um, the wildest version of Simon Says I've ever seen. Like, it sounds like it would be so boring, but it was fascinating. <laughs> um, and it just went places, like, literally went places you never would have expected. But the finale was an escape room that they Ooh. built into the green room of the studio. So the cast members oh, showed up and were waiting in the green room. And then the host, Sam, is like, all right, guys, here's the game. Escape the green room. And it just, like, <laughs> blew my mind. Like, like the way that they basically took an existing space and built, like, an entire fucking wild-ass escape room out of it. Um, and then you get to see, like, three comedians slash, uh, like, improv D&D folks who you know. You know all of the, the folks on the finale, Katie. It was um, Brennan, Lou, and Siobhan uh, from oh, Fantasy nice. High. Um, just, like, figuring it out and cursing the host the entire way through. It just was, like, <laughs> so funny. Awesome. It This, like... Game Changer is one of my favorite shows, period, in general. Like, no, no, like, dropout qualifier or, like, game show. It's just incredible. And this latest season has been, like, just astounding. Like, <laughs> like mind-blowing. Like, they're doing behind the yeah. scenes for, I think, every episode. Because I think even they know that they've just been, like, wild. Absolutely wild. Yeah. yeah. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I've only still ever watched clips of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll have to would it be would it be okay if I just watched the finale oh, to yeah, start? <laughs> for sure. You can okay. yeah, you can you can watch any and yeah, like there's no real order to them. Um occasionally they'll do like a, a like sequel to an episode, but like you still can watch them out of order. It's not like there's a story or a narrative there. Um cool. Yeah, it's oh my gosh, it's so good. I don't know if there are like any shows that bring me like such pure unadulterated just like joy <laughs> like just straight uh -huh. like i laugh so much and i'm just in absolute wonder and awe every time i watch uh like a really good game changer episode i can't recommend oh, yeah. it enough especially if you already have dropout yeah so good so good uh, <laughs> i watched it like an hour ago if you couldn't tell i'm still riding the high super fresh yeah <laughs> oh my gosh incredible well what have you been watching so I have been watching this show called Cook at All Costs. What? Uh, yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a show that is on Netflix, mm -hmm. and it uh, is a competition between. So each episode has three different um, like home cooks. Okay, and they each start out with a pot of twenty five thousand dollars. Oh, and at all costs. Okay. Right. And the first, there's two rounds. The first round, they, you know, get told the premise, you're going to cook for this special guest chef. And they created these three different boxes. One is the save box. One is the spend box. One is the surprise box. So if you, in the first round, bid the least amount of money, you mm -hmm. get the save box. You bid the, the mid amount of money, you get the surprise box. And if you bid the most amount of money, you get the spend box. And so... They all put in their bets. They get their boxes uh, and start cooking. Partway through, um, other items come out on this kind of conveyor belt and they can <laughs> uh, bid on the items. Like people have spent like $2,000 on a clove of garlic, right? Okay. Because they're like, shit, I just really need spices. I already have a question because I feel like 
knowing a little bit or maybe a lot of it about reality TV, I, I have a prediction. Is the is the money they're spending coming from their potential prize pool? Absolutely. Of yes. course it is. They're spending yeah. their own prize. That's incredible. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and like, so some people uh, like bid really high on stuff and end up like that going home with a ton if they win. So if you don't win, if the guest chef does not pick you as the best of the day, mm-hmm. you don't take home any money. Ugh. So like there's this tension between I want to be able to cook a good dish and I need these items or I want this box because I feel like I'm going to know how to cook more with this. Yeah. But I want money. So if I don't spend enough to get the things that I need to really make this dish pop, I might not go home with anything. So it's this like interesting tension um, between. That's sort it. of like some mole tension there a little bit, because like when you when when they're playing on the mole, they can like spend prize pool money to get like clues or hints or more time on stuff. Mm-hmm. I love that mm-hmm. shit. I think that's so yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, it makes it really interesting. There are definitely some people who like a bit just get into bidding wars to like try and <laughs> you know, make sure that oh, next like round you up? won't be able to spend as much yes, uh, <laughs> yes. oh that's so good yeah. oh yeah. man so the first round they can cook whatever they want and then the second round they have to cook based on like the specialty of the guest chef mm-hmm. um so i enjoy it it's a it's a nice easy watch and it's a little bit of competition that I enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That sounds so fun. And, yeah. and I haven't heard of this one. I, I heard of um, – there was one called Pressure Cooker, which was like another competition cooking show that I heard people talking oh, about. Folks were – I haven't watched it yet, but folks were saying it was sort of like a mix of uh, like a cooking show, like Top Chef or Chopped and – uh, like big brother in some way and i don't really know how i don't know if oh, that just means that they like live in a house together like i have no clue uh, but yeah. i think there might be some sort of strategy involved which could be good or bad for me sometimes when it comes to like mixing social strategy with like talent competition i'm not super into it looking at you rupaul's drag race you know but like <laughs> um there's so many cooking shows that like you may as well mix it up <laughs> right yeah. yeah oh man that sounds really fun yeah it is pretty fun uh, and I, you know, I watch it sometimes while I'm working and I watch it sometimes while I'm gaming and I watch it sometimes while I'm just watching it. So, uh, it's good <laughs> yeah. for all, for all occasions. Sometimes when you're pressure washing, you're also, exactly. uh, watching, uh, <laughs> wait, what is it called? I've already forgotten. Cook at all costs. Got it. Because yeah. then I was thinking pressure washing and pressure cooker. So, pressure you know, cooker. Yeah, that would be more on theme. Um, <laughs> so maybe I should do that. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Well, uh, is there anything you're thinking about? Uh, yeah. And this kind of goes with the watching thing, but um, it's also relevant to the both of us and something that just happened earlier this week. We recently were on an episode of Gimmicks. Um, the oh, podcast yes. that talks about like structure breaking and gimmicky episodes of television to talk about uh, the long, long, is it called long, long time? I think is the episode title, um, the Bill and Frank episode of Last of Us, um, because the Last of Us just wrapped up. So it, the the first season finally is is over and we kind of touched on it here and there, like over the course of yeah. the podcast. But like, 
I don't know, since we haven't talked a whole lot about it, like general thoughts on like the first season and how it went. Like, did you like it? I did. Uh, I I liked how they interpreted a lot of things and adapted a lot of things. I like how they switched uh, some things, mm-hmm. specifically the Bill and Frank episode. Oh, my God. Um, and uh, it was interesting seeing how specifically the finale and some of the elements that are more like kind of gruesome in the game got mm-hmm. translated into TV and also interesting seeing people who have just like no context because they haven't played the game, haven't been, they're not into gaming, so they don't even know what happened, uh, kind of react to the finale and to the series as a whole. How about you? I, I really liked it. I mean, my, I, I, I knew the big sort of like sweeping moments, like stuff to expect. But the nice thing about it was because they weren't doing it one to one all the time, like they could play with your expectations a little bit, like with the mm-hmm. Bill and Frank one or with other um, like additional story beats or characteristics they add. Um, yeah. They add some some interesting and sort of devastating bits of story to like Joel, for example. Yeah, they do. Um, so I thought it was really, really good. And I agree with you. It's been fun watching reactions of folks who don't play either the last of us or just a lot of video games in general so like they're just tv people watching the show um Mm -hmm. i think that's been then been really fun especially when the season ended i saw one person sort of was like i never played the game so i don't know like what the story is supposed to be or where it goes but like that's kind of a wild ending right and i was like "Uh (laughs) uh-huh uh-huh it sure is (laughs) Yeah, I hope you're glad there's a second season. <laughs> It'd be a really yeah. wild way to end it with, uh, otherwise, especially on TV. I mean, it was a wild way to end the game, but I, I can only imagine people who are like, oh, okay, <laughs> the yeah. show's over. Yeah. One thing that is interesting is I feel like, um, so I have some like colleagues who are in that boat, right? They mm-hmm. don't play a lot of games, but they've watched this. And something I saw online and something that they were talking about was like, a conversation that when the game originally came out and, you know, people were talking about the ending, I don't feel like came up as much, um, but talking about how like uh, spoilers for the finale of the last of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so jump ahead a couple minutes to be safe. Um, but how like the fireflies biffed it regardless. So like they, it, thinking logically, yes, this makes total sense. So one, not a great start to like knock out and then kind of kidnap Joel and Ellie. That's mm-hmm. not going to make anybody at ease. Yeah. Separate them and not be honest with um, Ellie and Joel prior about what like when they get there, right? Telling them what actually is going to happen and allowing Ellie to make a decision, which is mm-hmm. something Marlene says like, you know she would have wanted this or whatever. And it's like, well, then you should have fucking asked her if you were so sure. I felt like the game, am I misremembering? I felt like the game had Ellie be more of a, not not that they had a lot of agency, but like, I felt like Ellie at least had an opinion on the matter in the game. Whereas I feel like in the show, they don't really get too, too much into it. Like it doesn't, it didn't feel like there was that much tension ever between like the for lack of a better term, like sacrifice she's making versus like being alive or whatever. But am I just like putting more in the game than I, than was actually there? Do you remember? I don't believe, well, I feel like they definitely in the game 
probably you just had more time for her to talk about like how hopeful and stuff she was yeah i don't think she knew that they were like that that the surgery would kill her i think that was something that like she didn't know in the game or in the tv show Yeah, because i guess the ending of the game which similar to the ending of the tv show wouldn't make as much sense if she if she knew that yeah yeah um but the other thing that they mentioned that i never thought of was like they fucking jumped straight to brain surgery <laughs> that yeah, would kill the did. only person that they knew was immune and so like science doesn't work like that um yeah. which i never thought about before <laughs> well also it's weird to me um and and again i don't know the details or anything and like you know for the sake of the story they're telling whatever but like right i, I know there's like the moment of you know cordyceps grows in the brain but like she also has this like very obvious like scar is there like nothing between the right. bite mark Can and I do her some brain blood tests <laughs> there's, no- <laughs> yeah. there's nothing else in her body that they could could pull from <laughs> yeah that is a good point <laughs> yeah i've never thought about that or like some observation just like see how you yeah. know how her cells do or something yeah. i don't know um you've yeah. waited this so long you, like, could, you could take it slow <laughs> exactly like they just got here and the they instantly escalated to brain surgery that will kill you yeah. so uh, I, I have wondered yeah. like what are the things that i'm taking for granted because i've played the game that i just don't think about and that's like a great example yeah. of one yeah same i was like damn i never thought about that because you're because you're joel in the game so you're like right in it and you're like i'm gonna fucking kill everybody maybe feel a little bad when i shoot that surgeon uh or whatever <laughs> but like yeah you're just like in it and you know you kind of have to do it so yeah. uh yeah you don't think about it in that way you more think about the moral choice of like killing everybody but you don't stop to think was that the best decision for the fireflies to make uh, yeah. around the path forward for sure for sure i will say like I am I am pleased with how into the show I was because the last thing that I thought I would want is like another zombie apocalypse show where you know people are going to die like every yeah. episode like it's just not a thing that I in my life currently generally want from TV anymore um so mm-hmm. it's certainly a testament to how how good the show was Yeah What about you? You've been thinking about anything? Just, you know, that uh trans people are cool and are should be allowed to like we should be allowed to be in public and alive and yeah. all those things and have agency so, i agree there's that yeah <laughs> and just the, sh- the existence of trans people doesn't need to be conflated with all sorts of completely unrelated shit <laughs> correct yes correct 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 <laughs> it's so annoying <laughs> uh, but obviously full agree yeah just a little PSA. Trans people <laughs> exist, have existed, will exist, and, uh, you know, pretty rad. Yeah. I would say so. <laughs> yeah. Well, are we ready to uh, dive deep into the underground <laughs> and talk about our book? Simultaneously very ready, but also probably could never be ready. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, this is uh it's a bit of a wild one and i i, yeah. I don't a, even know what i'm gonna talk us, about but there's a lot yeah to yeah. talk about we'll maybe <laughs> i yeah. don't know 
<laughs> we'll see. Uh, so as mentioned earlier, we are talking about Winter Song by S.J. Jones, which again is a 2017 book um, that's part of a duology. I am incredibly curious to know how this book came across your radar, because I do feel like aside from maybe our brief foray into Twilight, like we've really not read anything that's even kind of like adjacent to this genre. Yeah, like explicit, (laughs) like, I would say this is a romance book more than anything else. Yeah, 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 yeah. A thousand percent. And it's interesting because why I chose it is I was deep into looking at books (laughs) for us to read and Mm -hmm. looking at fantasy books. And um, I had been looking And I was struggling to find something that sounded interesting that was also easily available. Like there were books Mm, that sounded mm -hmm. really interesting, but it was like, oh, you've got to wait a couple weeks and it wouldn't line up with what our timeline was. So looking, 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 and I see a fantasy book that is described as kind of like uh, if you liked The Labyrinth with David Bowie. Mm -hmm. And I was like fuck let me look up this and it was available and then i texted you and you're like took a literally took a picture of it in your hand at a library and you're like i can get it yeah and i was like all right cool i guess let's go with this yeah i did not know how i i did not expect it to be what it was i thought it was gonna be like a retelling of the labyrinth or like a skiff off the labyrinth which in a way i guess it was uh, but not at all the retelling I imagined. Yeah, I, I I do feel like maybe I'm going to be nervous next time I can find the book within 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, will, I will say right off the jump, I don't think this is a bad book, but I also don't know that this is like a book that resonates with me in particular <laughs> in several ways. Yeah. And I kept waiting, Katie. When I tell you, I was like, 300 pages in and still waiting i was like she's gonna fall in love with a woman at some point in this book like this book (laughs) can't be this straight there's simply no way (laughs) yeah it's super straight super straight but but let's let's give one sentence descriptions before we talk about how straight this book is yeah for sure (laughs) do you have one ready to go yeah i think so i think i would describe this as like if if the goblin market poem were adapted into a disney renaissance film that just had fewer like fun sidekicks and like a lot more fucking (laughs) kind of fucking maybe fucking yeah question marks all around i I think fucking but they're not gonna they're gonna describe gently things leading up to the fucking but not the actual fucking they're gonna skip they're gonna skip right past that yeah um we just said fucking a lot but this is found in the ya section of bookstores and libraries so (laughs) this is technically a a ya surprise yeah i was i was i was pretty surprised (laughs) i would not have guessed that Mm -hmm. yeah uh my sentence is an extremely musical extremely horny and extremely repressed woman Mm. uh makes her way into like a goblin city to rescue her sister (laughs) yeah i uh i don't know 
much about like classical music or like formal music stuff mm -hmm. so i for mm -hmm. forgot to include in my description just how much of that there is in this book a lot of music a lot, i also do not know i mean i know some about music but nothing about classical yeah. uh and so like the main i mean so we're gonna start talking about the book in earnest and uh we're gonna spoil stuff so if you are like this sounds like my fucking jam and are so ready for to like read a book that is uh, a horny renaissance goblin king uh, fanfic. <laughs> then <laughs> uh, pause now. And uh, after you read and cool down, come on back and uh, you can hear us, you know, talk about it a little bit more i absolutely have to call you out because what you wrote in your notes is if you're lusting to read this and that was too yeah, good I for did. you not to say <laughs> i can't believe you <laughs> so good yeah, yeah. <laughs> i guess at this point we've dropped the f-bomb like 12 times so <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah spoilers will abound of course yeah, we're going to spoil some stuff, you know, but if that's your kink, then keep on listening and read after. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so music, right? Yeah, I was yeah, not yeah, expecting yeah. some of the themes that come up in this book. I was not expecting. I wasn't expecting the music. I also would add um, I wasn't expecting how much religion like God yeah. taught there was. Yeah. When I say there's like several things about this book that just like aren't gonna resonate with me like some of it comes from just like a lack of knowledge like the music stuff like i just to me that was almost like science jargon in like a hard sci-fi book where i'm like i don't know what mm. any of this means i kind of gotta have to just like you know blitz past some of the super technical music musical stuff and then when yeah. it would get like really gaudy like <laughs> like i was like this is wild that like the goblin king is like this really devout christian when he's like was kind he of a like demigod a himself like i don't know i don't know because like at towards the end of the novel when they are um having their moody conversations about you know his past life and uh he's talking more about being a composer and you know or a transcriber or whatever yeah. um, it is. Oh, that's a good point. He talks about how this monk taught him how to play. Yeah. And I was like, are you in a fucking like religious calling or religious like role? Were you some sort of priest? Is that why he's so freaking weird about having sex? <laughs> God. Oh my God. The uh, For how horny this book is and how much like it is so strange how they both react to and feel about sex. Because for the first half of the novel, yeah. Elizabeth slash Liesel is like horny, but like judging other people who are horny and is like, yes. I'm not like that. And I was like, <laughs> okay, uh, you are, but whatever. Um, and then as soon as she gets there, she's like, fuck me now. And he's like, obliterate no. me. She literally says obliterate she, me like several she times. did. She wants to bone so, <laughs> so, so bad. bad. And he also does, but like won't a lot of times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to the point where it like almost got uncomfortable sometimes where I wanted to be like, back off. 
yes yes because she is so like fuck me now and he's like no and she's like but fuck me now and he's still like no she's like yeah. but what if you fuck me now and i was like jesus like take yeah like give him a he's saying no yeah <laughs> like yeah it's wild the yearning in this book is so uh, heavy so much yearning yeah. yes i mean she starts off as like and she's talking about like her sister uh keita who is like the beautiful and outgoing sister and then she mm-hmm. starts talking about bodies and then she describes bodies as sinful like inherently and i'm like no elizabeth no yeah. no yeah. get liberated <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> like you got a little freak in you let it let it out yeah let the freak flag fly <laughs> we're here for it you know yeah <laughs> but one so with one you mentioned vicky earlier oh my Um, gosh uh vicky is our former (laughs) co-host and co-founder of this podcast i am so grateful that i did not choose this when she was still talking she would have already logged off like she would have done the first half of this episode and been like i'm not talking about this book i mean she would have she would have talked about it but um yeah no i don't think she would have liked this very much (laughs) if you're listening to this vicky now you have to read it and let us know (laughs) (laughs) Um, but Um, yeah it's wild with the with the goblin king slash austere young man um not wanting to have or wanting to have sex but not wanting to have sex um and then when they do have sex she like loses her hearing for a while so what i took from that was that uh because in this book they talk a lot about uh, there's this wild ass kind of lore and backstory about how the goblin king rules the underworld the goblins kind of have domain over the weather and the world above Mm -hmm. and in order for them to like end winter a a a woman a human woman needs to marry the goblin king and basically be devoured or sacrificed right like her energy needs to be sapped i'm telling you this is some disney renaissance shit like this is the kind of stuff (laughs) they would have like made a movie out of but like made it like cute you know yeah um and the whole time because i love the labyrinth i was still imagining like david bowie as the fucking Hell goblin yeah. king um and jennifer Connolly oh, yeah. as uh she's sarah in the labyrinth but as like elizabeth um <laughs> so so right this this woman needs to be sacrificed and what i took from his lack of having sex with her was that having sex would be like him sacrificing her and like taking her energy and then after they have sex and she loses her hearing for a while i was like oh it's definitely like their fucking is so powerful that it like saps (laughs) her life force the okay i can't even disagree with at at least part of that like the the part where their fucking is so powerful because like (laughs) every time they describe them getting it on I was like, this feels violent. <laughs> like, oh my oh, it's God. Very, this feels yeah. not fun. I mean, for me, you know, y- y- y'all, y'all do your consensual thing. But like, I was like, holy shit, this seems like really intense. No, lore question for you, though, because 
Liesel, the main character, has these two little like goblin attendants, her goblin girls, mm-hmm. as she refers to them, um, Twig and Thistle, who do uh, kind of break it. I think it's one of the two of them that like breaks it to her that like it's not just that like you're down here and that's the sacrifice. The sacrifice is that you will lose your senses and you will lose pieces of yourself until you're basically nothing. Um, mm-hmm. Would would that not happen then if? if they just stay chased (laughs) Uh, or would that happen eventually anyway? I feel like it would still happen eventually because didn't she like lose taste of the strawberries before they had Mm. sex? Uh, So I feel like being, yeah, because part of the thing they said is like, just accelerating it. (laughs) Right. And right. Uh, and like you'll have more protection if people above like still love you and everything. Yeah. And but like part of the trickery of the goblins is that people will then forget that you existed if you are this new goblin queen, right? If you marry the goblin king. Yeah. Um. So I feel like it would still happen, but it would be slowed based on how much you were remembered uh, above. And her music was a key. She's a composer, so her, like, compositions were a key component in her, like, being remembered at least by her siblings. Her parents, I think, instantly forgot her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, okay, I will say the one big thematic thing that I did super vibe with is that idea. Like, uh, the the idea that, like, immortality is simply folks remembering or loving you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I love Pixar movies, and Coco is, like, entirely about that, like... You know, remember your loved ones because their their existence, like in the afterlife, is kind of depending on it. You know, Um, and because it's just nice and the right thing to do, right? But um, so I love I love uh, that idea and seeing different versions of that and how different stories and characters um, tackle that particular theme and that idea um, of like an afterlife. Um, Not that she's like dead in this, but you know, it's all sort of wrapped up in the same kind of idea um so i did really like, like that tell her she's kind of dead they're like you're dead above yeah i mean to everyone um, up there you're basically dead as hell. dying below yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um but that i did like yeah did you ever watch the labyrinth the 1980s film i've definitely seen it but i i I watched it way later in life than I feel like most people our age would have. I feel like most people our age watched it as a kid, like as kids. Um, If I did watch it as a kid, it would have scared the shit out of me. So there's like no way I would have finished watching it (laughs) as a kid, you know? Yeah. Um, So I watched it. I probably watched it for the first time in like college and have seen it maybe like once. So I've definitely watched it, but I don't remember a lot from it. Okay, because there were there were definitely things in this that I feel like were direct references. Like they talk about an oubliette, uh, which is something <laughs> that gets brought up, and I was like, "Oh, that's a fucking labyrinth word." And then towards the end, when the goblin hands that are kind of coming out as she is trying to escape, mm-hmm. when they create a face with their hands, yeah. that is like distinct imagery from the labyrinth. So, like when those things popped up, I was like, "Ooh." Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, but it is. It was. I listened to the whole thing. Yeah. And um, it was. It's. I mean, it's long and it's very much like romantic, um, lush, uh, very oh descriptive language, which I 
tend to skip over a lot of that stuff as I read most books. Um, but when you're listening, you can't. Yeah. Uh, so it was an interesting experience, uh, like listening to this book instead of, you know, reading it with my eyes. Yeah, for sure. The writing style is fascinating because it's the kind of thing that I don't particularly enjoy reading, but I appreciate like hell because it would be so hard to do. Like it is yeah. just writing is not easy and i'm not trying to say it is but i do imagine that it is much easier to write in just common vernacular than it is to write like this you know yeah so like i'm like amazed that she manages to crank out 450 pages of this um and it's consistent like it doesn't fall apart like there's it's it's well like how she is writing and the way that she writes is consistent from beginning to end, which is very impressive. The way that people talk is consistent from beginning to end. Um, and, uh, I, I applaud her for it. Um, even if it's not usually my vibe, I can appreciate (laughs) the skill that it takes for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Another lore thing that is interesting. So there's goblins, uh, but they're also, introduce kind of later into the book also one thing i'll say we talked a lot about fucking but i feel like halfway is when they actually like get like to more physical stuff yeah i would say like halfway through the book is when it starts but then from that point on like the it's just like the yearning does not end you know whether they're actually doing something or not it is like it is hot and heavy everywhere. Everyone is yeah. sweaty, you know, like whether they're doing something or not. But yeah, I mean, it it doesn't hit you immediately. You know, I I, yeah. I think if it hit There's us immediately, I would have been like, uh, Katie, are we sure about this one? <laughs> 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 this seems like it might be intense. <laughs> yeah, it was so it was really interesting reading because the first half is a lot of like, well, there's a lot of like, you know, Elizabeth is very judgy. So I am mm-hmm. judging all these other people, but I am also wanting to be, you know, different and kind of like this more. Uh, and I, the way I read it or thought about it is we're going to get this like saving your sister story, which is true, but that ends pretty quickly after she makes yeah. it into the kind of goblin court or realm. Um I thought that was going to be after that finished. I was like, what the fuck is going to be the rest of the book? There's like so much. Yes. left. I was shocked. I genuinely I asked the same question. I was like, what is this book going to be about? If not her getting her sister back. And then if, if it's if it's not that because that happens so soon, what is this book going to be if it's not her trying to escape? Because for the vast majority of the book, it's not like she's trying to escape. Yeah. <laughs> She's like vibing the, down there. Yeah, like the last like maybe 10, I don't know, 10% might be a lot. Like the last like 10% of the book is really where like the action is, where it's like, oh, she's she's making a break for it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And I did like that a lot. Like I, I really enjoyed when it when it did pick up like that. But there was a big stretch where I was asking that question of like, what is, what is, where, where are we going? Where are we, what's, what's yeah. going to happen? There's lots of buildup in this book, both for the characters and for us as readers. Uh-huh. <laughs> lots of teasing uh, characters yes. and readers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing that was like super interesting that I'm very um, keen to hear your kind of thoughts on was the idea of changelings and how and 
they get introduced yeah. in the book and what sort of role they they serve. Yeah, well, you might have to help me because like changelings <laughs> are interesting because changelings are born of wishes. But I feel like when whatever character it was that was explaining changelings and gave like examples of like, you know, it's like when somebody, you know, uh, is like young and beautiful and then they see all the people around them get like old or ugly, they wish to be young and beautiful and then a changeling is born. And I was like, wait, but where? How? I don't like something wasn't connecting for me, but I know that they're born of wishes. Is it like. Is it specifically the selfish wishes that, like, don't get granted that become changelings? Or does it have nothing to do with whether a wish is actually granted or not? I don't know. Because, okay. like, I totally must have zoned out when they said that part about the changelings. Because the, the Yosef, right? Yosef yeah. is actually a changeling. And I feel like they there was a sentence or a couple sentences about how um, he was... Yosef the changeling was like created because of a selfless wish and the love of Elizabeth because Yosef the like non-changeling human baby got like super sick and died and then this baby changeling right kind of took over but he's and like, now doesn't know that he's a changeling right but he's like different and special because he changelings can't live in like our world like they have to live in the goblin realm although they can kind of like dip their toe in it seems like um and he's different i think because he was born of a selfless wish and i guess most changelings are born out of selfish wishes so that's why they're not allowed and then they said that liesel's love for yosef is what was keeping him capable of being up there i guess yeah. And so, like, then it became this thing where it was like, well, if I start fading away and dying down here, like, I can't be capable of loving. Am I just putting him in danger all over again? Mm. But mm, now that I think about it, because one of the things about Yosef that they the the queerness in the book is Yosef yes. and uh, his lover, his crush uh francois so, i feel like, like it was more a than a crush right i feel like there was some mutual or like reciprocated they, like, affection kiss right? each other yeah. right i think so okay. okay um this book is so long i forget and sometimes i wish things happen um and i don't know if they always do so uh okay so in that line of thinking if francois and yosef you know are mm in a relationship would francois love also keep yosef alive or does it have to be the person who made Liesel? the wish yeah great question i don't think the book ever says <laughs> no i don't think so either. so i would like it to believe like that it is love? enough i would like to think yeah. it's enough because because if it's if it works in the other direction that like you know uh Liesel is being maintained by people's love for her it's not like specific to one of her siblings or one of her family members right. you know it's probably stronger if they all remember her but i don't yeah. think it has to be like a specific person so i would like to believe i'm gonna decide that my own head canon here since i don't think the book answers it is that francois's love is enough <laughs> I because that. francois and yosef need to just like live their 
life together being gay and happy away from everybody else because <laughs> they both deserve better. <laughs> Especially Francois. Mildly uncomfortable moments when when they like meet Francois and they're like, wow, a black person. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. God. I know that's like a yeah. real experience people have, but like it was weird. And then like the person that Francois worked for question mark was like real shitty to him and talked about yeah. him real shitty too so like if he could just the, like, like music master person yeah. yeah oh the maestro yeah right is that what it maestro. was maestro um yeah, yeah. so francois could bag. just go off and live with yosef that'd be great would love that yeah for the both of them yeah <laughs> i'm gonna assume that that's what happens me too me too there is a you know another book so who knows we I don't know if I'm going to find out, but maybe I'll look it up. <laughs> yeah. Question for you. Are you, do, have yeah. you read, are you familiar with the Goblin Market poem? I, I feel like I maybe read that in either high school or college. So I'm, I know it's a thing and they bring up excerpts of it in this book, mm -hmm. but I do not remember a lot of it i didn't really either but I, I feel like i had to have read it at some point as well and so i was like reading about it and there is a lot like that is pretty obviously inspired by that and i don't think she's trying to say oh, it's cool. not or anything but like yeah. when they say like goblin market meets labyrinth like it, it really makes sense like <laughs> goblin market is you know two sisters uh who like get too close to or like find this goblin market and like the younger sister trades like a piece of her hair for like this goblin fruit and then gets obsessed with the goblin fruit so like the older sister has to like you know you know, sacrifice to save her like it's it the structure yeah. is is very similar um but huh. it doesn't necessarily get into all the goblin king uh fucking stuff tight pants with a bulge thing oh my god feeling his shape <laughs> up against her <laughs> <laughs> I I have not read very much in the way of like romance novel, romance literature, whatever. Um, yeah. So this was real fun because I imagine yeah. that this would be like par for the course for a lot of people uh, whose genre this is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it would be funny yeah. to like have people who read a lot of romance like watch me experience it for the first time like see what my reaction is like oh my god like that, was just, that is a wild way to say that you know what i mean yeah <laughs> there were i so i listened to this book on mm -hmm. audiobook and so i would listen to it driving into work and leaving work oh boy and, like, you kind of have to you kind of have to boost it uh so you can hear it over <laughs> like cars and stuff and so here i am listening to smut as i like park for work in the morning i'm like oh shit please none of my colleagues be around <laughs> obliterate me <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and for oh. as like for as like as like lustful as it is like yeah. we've said fuck a lot but they don't say fuck at all in this no, book like it's it's fascinating because it doesn't feel most of the time it doesn't feel like vulgar like i would say the only yeah. times it ever feels like sort of like whoa is when it does get to those points where i'm like is this is this like like sex is this like violent fetish stuff or is it both like like the only times it really ever gets to a point where i'm like i don't know if this should be in the teen section is when it's moments like that and it really is just like a couple moments yeah yeah it's a yeah. really horny book that isn't especially vulgar <laughs> which i guess yeah, like I, was... I don't know like when when is this book supposed to take place i don't actually oh, know man. but i feel like i feel historical like historical romance past. 
Yeah. You know, probably all feels very much like that. Horny, but not vulgar. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't... Yeah. Because it's like not... It's not ever explicit, but like some of the way things are written, like... It's like, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I know what you want to have happen. Um, yeah. But it's not written like, I want like your penis inside of me. It's like, <laughs> right. I want you, all of you now, right? And it's like, okay, yeah. I know what you're saying. But like, it's not written explicitly, except for moments, brief moments, yeah. where it's like, I could feel him against my back and it's like okay yeah. i know what you're feeling <laughs> yeah yep yeah yeah so it's in- i guess it's entirely possible that like like a, a relatively young reader like just wouldn't necessarily put those pieces together but i mean you'd have to be i think you'd have to be pretty young to not be able to put the pieces together yeah probably too young to be <laughs> well reading I, th- this. I would say only because i think the writing style feels uh like something that would be alienating to most readers who would be younger than i would think could put the pieces together if that makes sense you know yeah yeah so i don't know um we didn't talk at all about uh and i totally forgot to write her name down in the character uh sheet or list uh costanza oh yeah um the grandmother yeah interesting character have to imagine we learn more about her in a second book because i feel like there's so much more there um because she's the only other person in the family that even believes that the goblin king is real like i we never really even explained this like the whole goblin realm and goblins and goblin king isn't even a thing that like everyone believes exists like Mm -hmm. it's it's really kind of like constanza uh Liesel, and i guess kata once she sees it with her own eyes but like most people are just like living their lives not thinking about goblins or goblin kings i think Liesel's mom explicitly tells the grandmother like you're being ridiculous like there's a point at which the yeah. grandmother's trying to like protect the house from uh like some sort of whatever night it is that like is most vulnerable to you know crossing to of worlds of or whatever or yeah Um, And the mom, like, explicitly stops her being like, you're being superstitious and weird. Cut it out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I feel like there's a lot there. I feel like when there's, like, the older person in the story who, like, was right all along about the thing that most people don't believe, like, there's some history. Yeah. For sure. It made me me wonder, because Costanza talks about, like, I I know him. Like you're not the only one who knows him. Like I kn- I knew him. Um, I like <gasps> met him, and I was like, "Is she the maiden that got away?" Wait. Okay. Hold on. Question. Because uh, the Goblin King is something that isn't like one immortal being, right? It, it's something mm-hmm. that it's an immortal position or title or entity, but like different people have held that role or have embodied that being right am i understanding that correctly yeah that's how i understood it so like is the version of the goblin king that liesel meets and messes around with the same dude that her grandma (laughs) met and messed around with it could be (laughs) could be it could be but it's unclear i don't think we really get a full timeline on our version of the goblin king (laughs) yeah 
<laughs> but there was, I think there wasn't, wasn't there one maiden that he, like, let go besides Liesel? Yeah, for sure. There's, like, the one, the one that, that uh, I think, I think Twig and Thistle, the goblin girls, refer to her as the one that lived. Because most mm. of them die, right? Like, most of them are ultimately sacrificed or waste away or whatever the case is. And so one yeah. of them lived. And I don't know if that's, like, one ever in the entire history or if it's just, like, one for this particular Goblin King or, or what. But, um, but yeah, it was, like, somebody that the Goblin King loved so much that he, like, allowed her to go back to the sort of living world or the human world or whatever. Which, honestly, yeah. if that's the case, they probably didn't fuck. Because I feel like that's what was well, going on here, right? Like, he was so, like... I, they definitely fucked, though. Like, Liesel and the Goblin King definitely fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about, like, maybe the one who lived, the earlier oh, one. Because, like, person? Liesel's like, I swear to God, if you don't get in here and obliterate me. Like, she was so, <laughs> so pushy. She, yeah. I hate to say pushy, but, like, she really was. <laughs> yeah. Um, that maybe that was not necessarily the case with the former maiden uh, who lived. Yeah. <laughs> and was there was there a another goblin king? Was there only one woman that made it out, or was there like a? Because I feel like this is just me saying a bunch of half sentences at this point. Love it. Was there a different goblin king who also escaped with? a woman because they talked about love being a right. bridge or something so that's what i'm unsure about and and it doesn't help that the goblin king we have throughout the whole book like refuses to share anything about himself yeah like with liesel who is his wife um yeah. like won't say damn near anything to her about himself or his former life or whatever so like i that's the impression i got was that there at one point was a goblin king and Maiden, who left the Goblin Realm together. That's what it sounded like. But then it also, at, at certain points, made it seem like it was the Goblin King that we met. So I'm not really sure. Like, I don't know yeah. how clear it's supposed to be, if it's supposed to be really obscure or really confusing. I have no clue. I mean, there were parts of the book that were intentionally incredibly confusing and surreal because Liesl yeah. was supposed to be totally mindfucked like yeah and we just were along for that same ride so i i couldn't tell you i got both no. impressions honestly yeah same any other things i don't know i don't think so <laughs> this book is wild like it's for a book that at points really felt like like there were definitely points of this book that I will just say felt like they were dragging for me where I was just mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, like nothing is happening for a book that is, you know, 450 pages long has stretches that felt like it was dragging. Also, like the more I think about the, this book, the wilder it feels, you know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? Like it's whole a fucking parts wild of this ride. book feel like fever dreams. Like <laughs> it's bananas. Maybe we were in the goblin realm partaking of the fruit as we were reading it. <laughs> Look, if and I was a fever dream, <laughs> you know, at the end of the book in the goblin realm, I wouldn't have been surprised. <laughs> I wouldn't have been surprised. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you? Any lingering, <laughs> lingering thoughts on this one? No, there. Yeah, it's. I I feel like it was a long book and very like lushly and descriptively written. So to me also because I do, I tend to skip through a lot of super descriptive parts. There were also parts that were that felt 
long. Um, but talking about it, yeah, it really does highlight how fucking wild um, and imaginative uh, this like book yeah. really is. I guess we're going to distill it down to the most wild parts, too, which is notable, yeah. you know? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, and I think both of us, I mean, I've definitely read some romance books, but most of the romance books I read are, like, not fantasy and pretty queer. So, yeah, like, and same. I haven't read a ton, ton. So, uh, this is definitely a different genre for us that we are... At, based on what you shared, Doug, I think we're kind of in the same boat. That is like oh, not something we necessarily yeah. have had a lot of experience with. We are lethal in the beginning, uh, not knowing um, anything about kind of what what is happening in front of us. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is probably the first book in this particular like subgenre of romance whatever that subgenre is that i've read i think the only thing that comes close is like i did read the first twilight book and then i've read the midnight sun book that we read for this and that's mm, way yeah. more of like um you know stephanie meyer is like a way way less uh descriptive uh person i think than um you know sj jones is in this book uh much tamer uh yeah <laughs> i would say yeah. stephanie meyer tends to be so this was this was a new new one for me i did check because i was curious i was like this I, you know it's so outside my realm of familiarity like i do wonder what people who do read books like this think about this book um, yeah. because i do feel like it's only fair to get the critique from people who know the genre like it always annoys yeah. me when people who don't like horror movies write bad reviews about horror movies i'm like well you don't like horror movies like why why would anybody look for horror reviews read your review right so i did look yeah. and there are people who like are very into this book for the way that it's written um it definitely had several proponents of like the romance which you know i don't necessarily i, I was i was like i sure like <laughs> they seem like they don't like each other very much but okay um yeah so it has like some pretty big fans and folks who are like stoked that there's like a second one. Um, but it also had detractors just like anything else. So um, it, it it kind of fell exactly where probably your average book does where it's, you know, within its own context, like it's got it's got big fans and it's got big detractors. I don't think it was like a yeah. runaway hit or like a runaway like flop or anything. Yeah. yeah. So interesting thing. Interesting. Yeah. Folks in this yeah, one. We yeah, we had a, a new experience together. Yeah. Um, Thumb-wise, what are you thinking? This one's really hard because I do feel like um, I'm just so unfamiliar that it like wouldn't be fair for me to say it's like a thumbs down simply because it's like not my vibe. And I do recognize like the way that she writes is really skillful. But I also don't necessarily feel like it's a thumbs up for me because I didn't vibe with it very much mm -hmm. um so i think it just has to be kind of a neutral thumb for me like i think it's it's you know I, i'm not gonna not give a, a thumb rating but I, you know it's it's got to be in the middle for me i appreciate what it's doing but i i'm not you won't catch me reading the sequel <laughs> yeah what about you yeah i feel like i'm in the same boat like um there were elements that i appreciated and enjoyed Whenever I can fucking hear someone say oubliette, that's always oh, yeah, a plus. For sure. Um, Do you think oubliette and obliterate come from the same root word? 
If only we had the <laughs> Goblin King to ask I because know. he knows Latin. Yeah, so true. Sorry <laughs> yeah. to interrupt. It could it could be. Can't get um, over the obliterate me line. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was definitely one that I was listening to on my way to work, mm. and I was like, ah. <laughs> I like audibly gasped because <laughs> like oh shit uh, let me go write some emails now uh, <laughs> sorry I interrupted your thumb rating <laughs> yeah uh, I mean I would I would give it the kind of middle thumb too um, I think I liked your idea of thinking about some of the things as like reading kind of the harder science fiction type stuff mm-hmm. um, where I didn't necessarily vibe with some of the super technical, super descriptive things that happen in like hard sci-fi. I don't know if there's – I mean, there's definitely – there's hard fantasy in this. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like that was definitely a, like a, a thing I felt too. And I yeah. always – yeah, I always appreciate people's writing styles, uh, but I do struggle a bit more with some of the like more I like the the Renaissance feeling vibe of things, yeah. kind of older English, n- not as modern speak. Um, so I'd give it I'd give it a middle thumb too. Yeah, because I got to I mean I did get to imagine David Bowie again, and I probably will watch the Labyrinth pretty re- <laughs> like soon just to be like, what the fuck happens is is this as horny as like it does this book make was? me yeah it does make me want to rewatch it like since I don't have nostalgia for that movie it's not like a movie that I frequently am like oh you know what I want to rewatch the Labyrinth this gives me a reason to like rewatch it um and yeah. I'm excited to do that and to yeah. reread the Goblin Market poem because I'm very curious mm. about how much of each thing kind of made its way in here. Yeah. 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 Interesting stuff. So yeah. definitely, definitely was fun to talk about and definitely gives me lots to think about and then follow up with. So uh, yeah. still a success, I would say for sure. Yeah. A fruitful, <laughs> a fruitful book. Yeah. Oh, absolutely fruitful. Lots of fruit. Um <laughs> Well, thank you, everybody, for listening um, to what is probably our most explicit episode of the podcast to date. <laughs> if you read Winter Song and want to let us know what you thought, feel free to email us at novelgamingpodcast at gmail.com or reach out on Twitter at novelgamingpod. If you enjoy what we do, please rate, review, and subscribe to Novel Gaming wherever you listen to podcasts because it helps people find us. And if you like us, someone else probably does, too, and they just don't know who we are yet. Uh, we'd be super grateful for that help. And of course, we will be back in a couple weeks with a new episode. Bye. Bye.